Welcome to Heartland Christian Center Sermon of the Week. You will be able to find more Heartland sermons at hcc.ag or Heartland Christian Center YouTube channel. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with others. We hope you enjoy this week's message by our lead pastor, Dr. Phil Willingham. I want you to grab your worship guide. Hopefully you got one when you walked in the door, and I want you to open that up. And uh, it again, it is such an honor to have you. Glad to have all of our campuses. I know North Judson, they've having some power issues down in that community. So let's pray for them. And uh, But we're glad to have Wanatal and our Hebron campus, our Full Throttle, our Westfield campus, our MPH campus, our online campus. Hey, would you just give all of our campuses a good hand clap of welcome this morning from Valpo? Good to see you here. And uh, glad that you've come. You know, last week we started, all this year, we've been looking at words. So if you're new in our church and you look around, you wonder why all these words are on the wall, abundance, anchor, awaken, arise, active. We've been looking at words and we've been kind of fleshing that out. What is that? What is God speaking to us? And this month we have the word of ambition. I've kind of given us a little bit of a working definition, an earnest desire for some type of achievement or distinction. That ambition has power, has honor, fame, or wealth. It's the willingness to strive for something. It's a, it's, it's, it's a desire to attain. And I shared with you last week that God created us for the desire for achievements. We, we have a desire about that. And the Bible has a lot to say about achieving desire or ambition. And if we're not careful sometime, we, we take one or two passages, like some a tendency that religion has to do, and we try to build a, a whole um, mindset around that. For instance, Philippians 2 and 3 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain consent. Rather in humility and value, rather in humility, value others above yourselves. Now, there are some people that will just, they say, well, the Bible says that we should do nothing when it comes to ambition. And they have this mindset that somehow or another that ambition, but Paul didn't say do nothing when it comes out. He said do nothing out of selfish ambition, right? Come on, out of selfish ambition. So what we started talking about last week is that ambition is amoral. It's not moral or immoral. It's amoral. It's like money. Ambition is a tool. Money is a tool, right? You can use money for, for good or you can use money for bad. And ambition is the same way. Ambition is amoral. It can be used for good things in our lives or it can be used for bad things in our lives. And this morning, you know, oftentimes when I speak to this church, I will, I will tell you as a pastor, I feel like this is a prophetic message, and I, I may be speaking prophetically, but I, would, I just want to be honest with you today that th- this is more going to be a dad talk to you, okay? It, it's more of a father talking to his kids, to his family about ambition. As you see us, as we navigate this today, there's going to be a lot of questions that I'm asking you to ask yourself. I'm not here to give you the answers. I'm not here to try to pretend like I figured this thing out and, hey, I'm going to tell you, all the ambition that I have is godly ambition. I, I want to be honest with you. I, I want it to be that way, but we're going to navigate some things today. And, 
it's going to be more of a dad talk to us. Because ultimately what, what we know and what we know understand from the Bible, that ambition comes down to the internal motivation of the heart. Come on. Everything about ambition, everything about ambition and the desire to achieve, attain, has to do with the heart. I shared with you last week, and I brought it back in, in Genesis 2 and 7, when, when God took a lump of moist clay and fashioned it into a man, blew into his nostrils the breath of life. The Bible says he became a living being. The Hebrew words there that he uses for living being is that he created him with a bundle of appetites. And, and, and that's basically what you and I are, right? We, we are simply a bundle of appetites. And most of us in this room understand that we have know somebody, we had a relationship with somebody, or we ourselves know what it is for our bundle of appetites, our passions, to get us in trouble sometimes. Come on, am I preaching yet? We, we see an entire culture today that have addictions going on, most all addictions is powered by some passion, some ambition. Whether you see somebody that has an obsession, addiction to gambling, or people have a, 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 an addiction to relationships, they're going one after the other, alcohol, drugs, food, shopping. How many, how many understand that become a passion for us? Sometimes collecting sports, video games. I mean, there's a thousand other things that, that people will do on a regular basis that many, many times is our ambition or our passion that's taken us the wrong way. But, but also, the Bible teaches us, and that's where we're going to kind of be hanging out, that ambition and pas passion, when we direct it towards the, the spiritual things of God, when, 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 when we start moving it towards what does God want me to do? How does, how does God want me to spend my life? There, there are all kinds of spiritual leaders in our world today that have done amazing things with their lives, and they come out of ambition. It come out of a passion. Uh, J. Hudson Taylor, I have a photo, picture of him of Hudson Taylor here. You know, Hudson Taylor had a, had a desire for China to know about Jesus Christ. He was a missionary in himself, and, and he, he had encountered all kinds of struggles and, and battles. But, but Taylor, he made it a mission to bring the gospel to China. He had all kinds of people and situations that discouraged him, but he established the Inland China Missions field. And that reason that is so important is that out of that, every missionary that, that signed up to go to China, they had to totally rely upon God to meet their needs. But, but, but Hudson Taylor, listen, he, is, he had this passion, had this drive. People thought he was crazy. But out of that, guess what? Now we see the China. We, we know about the communism. We know about the stupidity. But can I tell you, there's, there's thousands of believers that's in China today, all because one man had a passion. One man had an ambition to do that. We, we, there's others, people like Billy Graham. You think about Billy Graham, the world's renowned preacher evangelist. I mean, it was ambition that, that drove him to want to have these massive crusades. 
But one of his ambitions and one of his passions that, that he distributed in 1950s was that his, his crusades were some of the very first crusades in America that had integration going on. He believed that the gospel should be preached to everybody, every man, regardless of their skin color, regardless of how different they look. And he had all kind of battles with that. But yet he followed that passion. He stayed true to, to that ambition. He served as a spiritual advisor to 12 American presidents. I mean, it's amazing to see. Corrine Boone, I mean, she's another one. Her and her family, they, they helped the Jews uh, hide, you know, from the Casapo, and, and they rescued just all kind of, of, of people because they had a passion to do that. Their family business of watchmaking uh, that they established, it was uh, provided shelter for those people that was looking. So, so I, I'm just, I, what I want to bring to your attention as we navigate this, there, there's so many people out there, there's so many leaders that would have never achieved what they achieved had they not had ambition, had they not had a passion to influence. There's so many people today, and it frustrates me as a leader sometimes to see so many Christians that we settle for status quo. We, we, we have this idea that big ambitions or big dreams or big goals shouldn't be a part of the Christian life. We, we've got no purpose and no master plan, and we, we, we settle for so little in our life. How many of us that God has put that bundle of appetite in every one of us? Come on, it's there. What are we doing with it is the question. How are we making sure that it doesn't get sidetracked in our lives? Great leaders need to always be great dreamers. People who have an impact in their culture and their community, they're, they're always great dreamers. And the day that you and I stop dreaming of what can be, not what is, Anybody can look at what is and complain about what is and talk about how bad what is. But listen, the moment we start, we stop dreaming about what can be out of this. Come on, are you with me? What can happen? What, what could happen at the place where I work? What could happen with my family? I know I'm the first generation Christian in my family. Some people say, but you know, Pastor Phil, you know, I didn't come from a long religious family. I didn't come from a traditional religion. I'm the very first. But what can become? of you? What can your future generations be in your life? Well, good preaching, Pastor Phil. So I want to help us this morning as we kind of navigate this a little bit of how do we determine whether or not our ambitions in our life, they match up to God's plan in our life? How, how do we keep our ambitions from getting out of hand? If you know me, you know I'm a dreamer, you know I'm a, I'm a, I'm a goal setter, you know I'm a, I'm a person that's always looking about what can be, what could be done that nobody else is doing. But how do we make sure, I want that in my life, I want it for your life. How do we make sure that our dreams and ambitions, they, they, they stay within the line of God's word? Last week, if you didn't hear the message, I, I looked at 1 Thessalonians 4 and 11 when Paul said, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. And what I've discovered in my own life that many, many times it's only when I quiet myself. It's only when I can quiet my relationship. If, if I don't quiet myself, I can't hear the voice of God. There's too many noisemakers out there. Come on. How many understand? There's so much commotion going on in our world today. And sometimes you have to turn everything off. 
turn everything down. The, the psalm said, be still and know that I'm God. We have to quiet ourselves, and then it's important to quiet our relationships. If your relationships are out of whack and with your wife, with your kids, with other people, you, listen, you're, you're never going to be settled. You're never going to be quiet. You're never going to be, be able to be focused in your life. Understanding about relationships is so important. I talked a little bit about that last week. But this morning, let, let, me, let me navigate real quickly with just what I know about false ambition. There, there's so many things that, that just pop up sometimes within religious church. Again, one of them is just write this down. The fallacy is that God exists just to make my dreams come true. God exists just to make me happy, and he wants me to have all this stuff so that I can be happy. Listen, it's a fallacy to believe that somehow or another that God is sitting in heaven, and he wants to be your butler, okay? That he wants to be your maid. That, that somehow or another, that, that all he wants you to do is to navigate this world, and as long as you're smiling and happy, then he's happy. No, you look at Isaiah 48 and 11. He said, for my sake, everybody say, my sake. My own sake, God says, I do it. For how should my name be profaned? My glory I will not give to the other. Listen, God doesn't exist just to make our dreams come true. But I do believe that God puts dreams into us. He gives us ambition so we can live out those dreams. So ultimately, he may get the glory and the honor for that. Come on. How many understands that today? So here's the second fallacy. All ambition is bad. And just God doesn't want me to dream. And again, what, what, what I see happen, and I grew up in, in, in a time in an era in the religious world, that oftentimes ambition or dreams or goals would be squashed. And, and, and what happened would, they kind of built this mindset in the church that once you come to Jesus Christ, once you surrender your life to him, I mean, you, the battle should be over with, man. You, you know, you're saved now. You're, you're sanctified. They used to use the term saved, sanctified, fill the Holy Spirit. You got the battle won. You're victorious. The problem was we still had battles. <laughs> Hello? We, we, we still struggled with some things in our life. And what happened was that when, when people would come along and they would start following Jesus Christ, they had these goals, they had these dreams, they had these, these desires to do certain things. And what happened, the enemy would show up and he would fight against that. And if the devil fought against it, they said, wait a minute, if you're having trouble, that's probably not of God. If you've got a battle that you're having a battle to open this business, well, probably God just doesn't want you to open the business. Are you with me now? So it was that mindset that people didn't understand that there are times you have drives and ambition going inside, and you've got to fight through that. You've got you to be determined. When people ask me about the Sunshine Center, they, they, you know, we, we celebrate the stuff on this stage. We celebrate what, what we're doing and what we want to do. But listen, I don't talk to you about how many times I'm fighting discouragement. I don't talk to you about how many times I'm having to push forward when it doesn't seem like this door is closed and that didn't open up. Listen, but there is time in the midst of a vision or desire that we we have to understand, even though there's problems, it doesn't mean God doesn't want me to have them. Come on. Paul put it like this. I love it in, in Hebrews 12 and 1. He said, we got this great cloud of witnesses. We lay aside every weight. The sin that so closely comes to us. And we run with endurance the race that is set before us. So, so Paul said, listen, there, there's some endurance you have to build in your dreaming, your vision. 
And what happens is that so many times when people get this ambition, they get a goal, they get a, they get a desire in their life, they come forward, pray for me, Pastor Phil, I want to start this business, I, I, you know, I have this dream to do this, I want to, I want to minister like this, and you know, pray for me that I have no battles and I have no struggles, and, and God just opens up every door. Well, that would be awesome if it happened every time. Hello? But it doesn't happen. There's times you have to endure. There's times you have to push forward. Relationships are the same way. People think, well, you know, I married a Christian man. I married a Christian woman. So we should live happily ever after with no issues. Yeah, right. We're still broken people, right? We're riding in the car the other day, a car that we've owned for four years now. And, you know, it's got over 100,000 miles. We're riding in this car, and it's getting dark, and my lights are on. And, uh, you know, I, I, there's nothing coming, so I have my lights on bright. And I noticed Rhonda looking real, real intensely at it. She said, how'd you do that? I said, how'd I do what? She said, how does the light stay on bright? I said, what do you mean? I said, you've been driving this car for four years. She said, I said, how do you get the light? She said, I just grab the turn signal, and I hold it forward all the time. Now, now, wait a minute. You, you, that's, the hold it forward is just hold it forward, let it go. That's just kind of blinking your lights at somebody if they won't dim them. I said, you push it forward, and then they stay on bright. She said, oh, oh. Now, listen, everything in me wanted to take that and really do something, but I did not because I love my wife. But I'm saying, listen, you've been driving this car for four years, and you've driven it not a lot of times. You mean to tell me? Yeah, yeah she did. But listen, what we have to understand for relationships to survive, what do you, you endure. You, you push forward past some of those things. Are you with me now? You can have this ambition. Listen, it's easy to get married. It's hard to stay married. Well, good preaching, Pastor Phil. That's my Dr. Phil session. That's not dad, that's Dr. Phil. So here, here's fallacy number three. Certain activities like preaching are, are good ambitions, but others like sports and business are worldly. Again, what, what happens is that so many times people, we, we, we try to categorize and, and put ambitions in categories where somehow or another we think that there are certain ambitions that are good and godly and spiritual. I mean, surely preaching and pastoring and being a missionary, those are godly ambitions. And, and, and certainly anybody who pursues those things, they have the favor of God. But if you want to be a businessman, if you just have a godly ambition to be a good mom or a good dad or a good parent, surely, surely that can't be something comes from God. Now again, I grew up in an era where everybody who got saved, it, it was constantly pushed towards you that you should be called to ministry, that you should do ministry. Because ministry is a good ambition, and we had people in our church, little country church down in Alabama, that were business people. They, 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 had, this, they had this great creativity. We had one guy who, who was just, just a, a constantly starting new businesses, and people would look at him, and they would talk about him like, like he was less spiritual than everybody else over here. And many, many times they made him feel bad because he's over here making money. But guess what? It was his money 
money that helped finance the mission program. It was his money that helped add on to the church when we needed Sunday school room. It was his money that helped in all these other things. And listen, what, what I'm simply telling you, it, it's a fallacy to say that this is godly, this is spiritual, but this is not. Again, it comes back to the motivation of what? Look, you, you don't think that there's preachers that preach for money, not just for God? Hello? You don't think that there's people that say they carry the gospel for the sake of winning the loss versus they carry the gospel because they have these huge egos? Well, just, just check a few out of and out. You can see the difference. But neither. Now, listen, here, here's the problem. When I grew up, the emphasis was God called you to be a preacher. God called you to be a missionary. God called you to work full time. And what happened was there wasn't no emphasis on education. There wasn't no emphasis on bettering yourself and growing. It, it doesn't mean it didn't happen sometimes, but it wasn't no emphasis. Now, here's the problem. Now, we, now we've swung the pendulum way over here. When was the last time you hear moms and dads talking to their children about a call of God on their life? When was the last time you had mom and dad setting their kids down saying, listen, God has gifted you and talented you. You may be a businessman. You may be a businesswoman. You may go to school and be there. Or you, God may use you as a missionary. Hello? No, now the pendulum. Has God stopped calling young people to ministry? No. But sometimes we don't quiet ourselves to listen to hear what is God saying. Yes, you may, he may call a business person. He may call one to, 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 to lead this or that. He may call to be a missionary. He may call to be a pastor. He may, but listen, what, what we have to understand is that when we allow, Paul said it like this in, in Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work wholeheartedly as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving, get it, the Lord Christ. That's what you should be doing. That's the conversations we has got to have as mom and dads or grandmom and granddads today. The conversation is, hey, listen, baby, I don't care whatever you do. I don't care. You may be the greatest hairstylist. You may be the, the greatest business person. You may be this or that. But whatever you do, do it as doing unto the Lord. You follow me? So let's talk a little bit about the truth about ambition. Again, that drive towards something, that end goal. Because, listen, the truth is, if we had time this morning to, to turn our chairs around and let's get in circles rather than in rows like we're in. We're not going to do it, so don't panic. But the truth is, almost every person in this room and people watching online and everybody on campus, we are pursuing some idea of greatness right now. We are in the pursuit of something. Our time, our talent, our temple, our testimony, our treasure is focusing towards something. Some people are pursuing comfort. Some people want fame. Some people want wealth. But listen, every one of us are in the pursuit of something. And the question that you and I have to understand is that while God created us to be ambitious, He created us to be ambitious. He created us with this bundle of appetites. But, but what you and I have to make sure that we're filtering our lives to the point that I want to make sure that this is a godly ambition and it's not just a worldly ambition.
I want to make sure whatever I pursue, whatever I go after, whatever I make it, this is my aim, this is my goal, that I make sure that ultimately God gets glorified, it helps others, and at the end of the day, God says, well done, good and faithful. Are you with me? Write this down. The difference between godly and worldly ambition comes down to the issue of the motivation of the heart. That's what it is. Listen, everyone, I can't do it for you. You can't do it for me. You can't do it for your spouse. You can't do it for your, your, your children. Every one of us have to constantly be saying, okay, Holy Spirit, help me check the motivation of my heart. So in doing that, here are some key questions that we can ask. This is about the heart. Get ready, number one. Write this down. Where does your value come from? Where does your value come from? Listen, again, it's so easy to take ambition and make it a justification for our existence. We take ambition, our goal, our achievement, we make it a justification of this is why I exist. And, and so many times... When, when, we, when we look at what do we value, what, where does our value come from, what, what, you know, how are we achieving, why are we achieving what we achieve, and how do we get value from that? Because the question is simply this, listen, what do I love? Now get this, listen, what do I love to the point? What do I pursue to the point? What do I value to the point that if I lost it, I lost myself? If I lose this, I lose myself. My value is tied to this position, to this title, to this place. Listen, most of you have heard the story, and I won't give you the long version. I'll try to give you the short version. But 21 years ago when we was fired from a church and, and they said, we don't want your vision, we don't, you know, we, we don't want to celebrate your vision, we've tolerated you long enough, you know what I mean? We, that's basically, hey, we've tolerated you for 18 months. You're done. Okay, I'm done. Now listen, 21 years ago, my, I, I've been doing, I'm in my 50th year of ministry. I've been doing what I do. Ever since I was 16 years old when I left home, I've, I had a title that, that I got my value from. He's the worship leader. He's, he's the tent coordinator. He, he's the revival coordinator. He's this. You know, he, 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 uh, he's a pastor. He's an evangelist. I always, listen, there was always something that went in front of my name. And 21 years ago, when I got fired and they give me my walking papers, I find myself, and I'm sitting on, up in North Alabama, I'm sitting on the beach one morning, and I am totally having a pity party, okay? You don't know what they are. Poor old me. Woe is me. So bad is me. Because I lost myself. Listen, for that brief moment, I lost who I was. God uses my Down syndrome daughter, Sunshine, to give me a message. Are you with me? She shows up. She doesn't get up early normally with me. She, I get up. She gets in bed with her mama. She comes outside there, and she says, can I sit with you? And I said, well, yeah. She said, get me coffee, okay? She, she's still pretty demanding. <laughs> she's always been that way. I go back in, I get her a cup of coffee. We're sitting there, and I, I call myself praying and meditating. I'm pity partying it up, okay? Tears are flowing. 
She looks at me, and she called me dad at that moment. She didn't call me Dr. Phil. I was dad or sugar dad. And she looked at me, and she said, Dad, you sad? You know, her, her verb, you sad? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm praying, I'm praying. And I'm pity parting it up. And finally, it's like the, the, the Holy Spirit rose up inside of her. And she looks at me, and she said, God loves you. And I just, yeah, yeah. And then she grabs my chin, and she turns it towards her, and she looks me right eyeball to eyeball. She said, no, God loves you. Not pastor you, not evangelist you. He loves you. Surrender. I have no value outside of God. You understand that? I achieve stuff. I accomplish things. I have, I, have, I have education numbers and, and letters behind my name. But listen, none of that is where I look for or try to reach for value. It isn't about the amount of money in the bank. It isn't about the house you live in, the car you live in, the how many years you've been. Everything has to be wrapped up in him. If it's not him, when you lose that, you lose yourself. We have to get to the point in our lives when it, when it comes to our ambition. If you lose everything but God, God has to be enough. You understand that? He has to be enough. I talk to families who go through divorce. Divorce is horrid. Divorce is, is, is heartbreaking. You talk to families who go through death, and you talk to families who go through bankruptcy. You talk to people who go through all kinds of issues. And listen, the people who survive are the ones who said, listen, all I have left is God, but God is enough to get me to the next day. That has to be our ambition. Number two, who are you trying to impress? The other question, the motivation of the heart. Who are you trying to impress? We have to know our audience. When we achieve something, when we accomplish something, who do we want applauding us? You follow me? Is it God? Are you seeking to really please Him? Or you want the applause of the world and people around you that if their applause stop, you stop? If you don't achieve what you're striving for, going after, ambitious about your goal, if you don't achieve, who is the ultimate person that's going to be disappointed? I don't want to disappoint people. I don't want to disappoint my wife. I don't want to disappoint my kids. I don't want to disappoint God. You know what the greatest, listen to me, husbands, wives, you know what the greatest barrier to infidelity is? I don't want to disappoint my kids. I don't want to. No, the greatest barrier to, to infidelity has to be I never want to disappoint my God. I don't want my God to look at me and say, you took a bundle of appetite and you let it get abused and misused in your life and now you pursued something that was out of the lines of the boundary and now you're getting the applause of who? Who's applauding you? How many understand that's a great heart question? Number three, what are the repercussions of your ambitions for people? 
If you pursue this, if you go after this, this is your goal. This is your aim. This is what you're, you're striving for. This is where you're spending your time, your talent, your temple, your testimony. What are the repercussions of the people around you? Remember a few weeks ago I told you the story of Tim Tebow when he shows about the photographer that took this photo. This vulture is there waiting for this African child to die. This child is trying to make it to a food center and it's collapsed. And the photographer comes upon this scene. And listen, he has enough knowledge to know that photography could put him over the top in achievements. And it did. He won the highest of prizes when he took that photo and he submitted it. And they give him the highest award that a photographer could forget. But what was the repercussion of that child? He did nothing. A couple times he admitted that he, he run the vulture off, but eventually he walked away because they said, don't touch the kids, don't get around the kids. It's too dangerous or too sickly. You might get sick. By every account, that child never made it to the food center. The question we have to ask ourselves, well, what is the repercussion? Hopefully none of us will ever have to be, be in a position that we sacrifice something that great. But listen, can I tell you, there's people that sacrifice things every day. They sacrifice people every day because they're achieving something. They're trying to come. I don't care who I have to step on. I don't care who I have to climb over. I don't care who I have to beat. I'm going to be on top. Really? There's people who live their lives that way. It's only by checking our hearts that we say, God, is this ambition, is it helping people or could it hurt people? What's your life all about? If we really neglect others and God and, and seek our own dreams and ambitions, we find ourselves, listen, living such small lives. Here's a question. I didn't put it in your notes, but here's a question. What if failing, what if failing would ultimately make God look awesome in your life? Would you be willing to fail? What if failing? You realize what a failure my wife and I felt 45 years ago when we, our first child was born into our family, that she was mongoloid, she was, she was retarded was the phraseologies that they use. She'll never do this. She'll never, let's, let's let her, we're going to give you a death certificate. You go home. We're going to put her in this institution over here in, in, in Birmingham at the time. Do you realize what a failure we felt at that moment and that time. Do you realize how many people that come along beside us and loved us, they, they loved us without any judgment, but how many people when we left that hospital, we started traveling in revivals again, that we would show up in revivals and people would say, oh, I want to see the little baby. And Rhonda would uncover her and there you had that little down. Do you know how many people looked at us with judgmental eyes? Oh, what'd you do? What wrong, what sin did you commit? You follow me? What if failing meant ultimately that God would look awesome? 
You realize how awesome God has looked over the years as we've been able to share the testimony of the life change that sunshine was used to make in our life, but not just our life, but the life of others. You know how that hasn't been any reflection of us, of what great parents we was. It's just been ultimately a reflection to the awesomeness of God that while he doesn't send, he doesn't send bad things in our lives. He doesn't create bad things in our lives. But he has the power and the ability to take every bad thing, every bad situation, and turn it around and flip it around and make it good in our lives. But sometimes we're not willing to go through that. What if failing made God look awesome? Sherry Ullman, I, Sherry, I apologize. I didn't ask you about this, but I, I, believe, I believe I know your heart well enough. Listen, when Sherry first got diagnosed with cancer many years ago, I mean, there was prayer chains. There was, there, there was people praying around the world outside the country. I mean, we were praying for healing. We, we, didn't have, we didn't have a second prayer like, oh, God, we want you to somehow or another, if she's not healed, let her go peacefully. It wasn't. No, it was healing. But she wasn't healed instantly, Okay. She had to go through some of the horrid things that cancer patients have to go through with all the treatments that you went through. But in through that, now when you look back upon that, there's been testimony after testimony after testimony of the awesomeness of God, how he showed up in the midst of that, and he's got glory and he's got honor out of that. That's the God that we serve, that when we take our ambitions and we surrender it to him, that he's able to get the ultimate glory out of it. At the end of the day, we have to do the best we can to give our dreams and our ambitions to God so that he'll be honored and others will be served and helped. So what this, how, how do we keep your ambitions from getting out of hand? Again, this is a father talking to his kids. I'm going to give you five questions, and I promise I'll try to get through these. Number one, ask yourself the question, is your ambition about you? James says, where there's envy and selfish ambition, you will find disorder and every evil practice. One significant indication that an ambition has gone awry is when you find all kind of evil and disorder going on in your life. Listen, wrong ambition doesn't stop at just you being greedful. It, it will cause greed. Greed is a green-eyed monster of ambition gone awry. But it doesn't stop with greed. Guess what it would do? It doesn't want just have all that I can have and all that I can want. Greed will lead you to be envious of somebody else. You've got all this and then somebody shows up and they got the newer car than you've got. They got a different function than you've got. They live in a bigger house. They're doing something better. And all of a sudden that greed eye monster of envy grazes his head. You follow me? Listen, we, we, we have to constantly ask ourselves, is this a selfish ambition? It is, a, is it a selfless, selfless ambition? No one, no, listen, none of us want to believe that we're conceited. <laughs> none of us want to believe that. Or believe that we're more self-serving than we ought to be. So how do you fight that? 
you constantly ask yourself the question, is, is this just about me or is it about God and is it about others? Number two, does your ambition allow you to serve God? Is it putting you in a position, yeah, you're, you're going after this, you're, you're, you're wanting. Paul said, it's always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was known. And listen, Paul understood that there's people that you can serve others and still not be serving God. There's all kinds of causes out there that people do just out of carnal compassion, natural compassion, a carnality that somehow or another, it makes me feel better if I help this person. But what ultimately we have to understand the fact is what we're doing, what we're doing in the way of compassion, what we're doing in the way of ministry, what we're doing in the way of program, is it ultimately going to reflect on God being served in my life? Is God going to be lifted up? Is the gospel going to be shared? Oh, these doors that he's opened up, I'm walking in and I have greater business. I have greater opportunities. I'm, I'm sitting beside some of the, the top salesmen, the top people, the top teacher, whatever it is, whatever category you can put in. But as you get into that, you've got to ultimately say, okay, God, you put me here for what reason? Ultimately, to reflect your glory in my life. I'm not going to stand up and grab a Bible and start preaching a message, but God, through this conversation today, direct my conversation so that I can ultimately direct people back to you. How did you get so smart? How did, how did, how did you come up with that idea? You really want to know? It was the God that I serve. Oh, I don't believe in God. Well, I understand that, but I'm just telling you, you asked me, how did I come in? It, 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 was, it was God. You follow me? It's the simple question is that when we're, when we're selfless and we're working and we're going after our goal and achievement so that God will be ultimately glorified and others will, be, will, be, will find good in that, that combination there allows us to do that heart check in our life. But if what I do comes at the expense, listen, if what I'm pursuing, what I'm going after, if it comes at the, uh, at the expense of my family or, or, or even at the expense of my health or better yet, even at the expense of my faith, maybe I need to stop and say, wait a minute, wait, maybe, maybe this is not a godly ambition. How many people do we know today? They devote their entire time, talent, temple, testimony, treasure to pursue an ambition, a goal that ultimately in the process of pursuing it, they've destroyed their health, they've lost their family, and ultimately they put God on the back shelf somewhere. Good preaching. I guarantee you we know somebody who's done it that way. They had all these achievements, and they look around and, wait a minute, I've burned all the bridges to my relationship. There's nobody here to share this award, this achievement. I've, 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 I've sacrificed my family for the sake of my future. And listen, what, what happens is that, listen, we, we, we have to understand that there can be seasons in our life when God may want us, listen, there may be seasons in our life when God may want us to be a little bit less ambitious overall so that he can build some patience and some obedience in our life for something bigger in the future. 
Sometimes it's okay. Listen, listen, young people. Listen, young couple. Sometimes it's okay to live with less now. Be content now with less, knowing you're keeping God first and your family first and you're taking care of yourself rather than to work yourself to death to have more now only to get to the future. And you find out now I have, God has been way back here for so many years. My family has been put so they're, they're all dislocated. And now I look at my health and I say, wait a minute, I spent all of my health to gain this, this, this money. And who, who, who have I got to share it with? I, I told you it was dad talk, okay? Number three, is there room for some humility? Do nothing out of self of ambition, but our vain consent. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. We, we have to constantly be asking ourselves, is my ego in check? We, we, we can all have these delusions of, 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 of grandeur, grandeur and more and success and but okay, God, I, I, I just want to make sure in the midst of this that we stay humble in doing this. Because if our ambition eliminates our sense of humility, we're always going to go off the rails. And we're, we're going to be highly more successful with less as long as we're honoring God and helping others that fulfillment is going to show up in our lives. You, you believe that? Number, number four, I, I got to hurry. Number four, does your ambition bring you joy? Paul said, whatever you do, do it enthusiastically. As something done for the Lord, not for men. There has to be joy in what we're doing and pursuing. Not just, I'm working, you know, I'm, I'm working hard, I'm putting all this, and, and hard, hard, and Bad, bad, and sad, sad, and gloom, gloom. No, there has to be some joy. There has to be some satisfaction. Again, I, I, when, when we talk about the Sunshine Center and all the meetings and all the stuff and the prayer times we've done and, and all the things we've been going, listen, there's just, there's just constant this anxiety and stress and some disappointment. But in the midst of that, when I, when I, when I get to Friday night and I send, I'm over in the corner and I'm watching all of these, these adults, they're playing music and they're dancing. And I look and I say, Wow. How little it takes to make some people really happy. We got one gentleman there, and I had a photo, and I don't have permission to share it. But his, his date is in a wheelchair, and when they start the music, he, he, he's very solemn. He's got a very solemn, when he starts the music, he puts her out there in the middle, and he stands beside her constantly, and he's moving her hands with the music, and he's singing every, he's like he knew every song and every lyric, and he's looking at her, and he's smiling, and he's just singing, and I'm over in the corner, and I'm bawling like a baby. <sighs> That's the joy of why we do what we do. You, you follow me? And listen, and, and what happens is that I, I, know, I know that every one of us go through seasons. The Bible says Jesus. Listen, when you think about Jesus' ultimate ambition and goal in life, to come to seek and to save that which was lost, Jesus' ultimate goal in, in this world was to come and lay down his life for the lost. His ultimate goal was to go to the cross. There was nothing beautiful about the cross. There was nothing joyful about the cross. It would be a beating. It would be a whipping. It would be embarrassment. But the Bible says in, in Hebrews that for 
the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross and despised the shame. He looked to the joy ahead. And sometimes, listen, when you and I, when, when, when we do that, when we, when, we, when we keep everything in the proper perspective, we understand this is why I'm created. This is why I have a pulse. This is why God gifted me and talented me the, the way that he did. Number five, what is the motivation behind your ambition? Again, that's ultimately the issue of the heart. Why am I doing this? What drives me? Who's pushing me to do this? I know we can say family and influence and helping others and all that, but hopefully it, God has to always be at the top of everything that we do. What motivates us? What keeps us going? I want to close with these few action points. Come on, Pastor Lindsay. Here, here's the action points. Don't, don't confuse humility with, with fear. Fear is of the devil. Fear keeps people from accomplishing anything great because you're so afraid you're going to fail. You're so afraid it won't happen. You're so afraid. And listen, what happens is so many people, they, they, they confuse humility with fear. Oh, I just say I'm just, I'm just humble, and I just feel like if it's God's will, He'll, He'll just make it happen. No, you're just scared. You follow me? You're scared to take a chance again. I was talking to someone the other day. They said, Pastor, you don't know how broken my heart is. You don't know how this relationship has broken me and. And how it's made me not want to love and trust again. When I'm talking to this person, I hear the Holy Spirit say, tell her that what's worse than a broken heart is a heart that refused to ever be broken. What's worse than a broken heart is to be a walls and barriers around you to say, I'll never love again. I'll never trust again. I'll never put myself out there again. What's worse than a broken heart is a heart that's just not willing to be broken. Ron and I struggled after Sunshine was born for a couple of years of the thought of, do we have, do we have more children? I mean, is this... There was always, you know, always speculation or hereditary. Things could be worse, and you know, the next child could be could be even worse. And, and we struggled with that. And we lived a little bit in in fear of that. Till one day, I told her, I said, in our conversation, I said, we're, we're going to raise up and leave 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 a legacy of people that's going to come behind us, kids that's going to have passion to pursue God and ministry like we do, and. And sunshine's going to be limited in what she can do. I, I think there's something there. We, we had no idea how it would happen. I said, but I, I, think, I think God's going to bless us with more. And then just a few weeks later, Rhonda became expecting Matthew. And, you know, nine months went by and go to the hospital. And Matthew's born. And 
Rhonda gets to go home and they hold Matthew back and they say, we want to test him. We got to check him for this and that. I mean, he looked kind of normal to me, but again, I'm looking through the eyes of love. <laughs> All newborn babies are ugly. I've been thinking, that, that ain't no reason why I can't have him, but but they went through all that, and we, we went through that, that whole fear of what if, and what do they say? You, you, you follow me? We, we, we cannot ever confuse humility with, with fear, because fear puts you in bondage. Fear keeps you from ever trying anything again. And then we had another child, and after Amber was born, that's our other little girl, and you know her and her husband serve over at Wanatal campus, and, and Rhonda looked at me one day. She said, I'm done. She said, that's your legacy right there. The rest is going to come through grandkids one day. And when she says you're done, she's done, I, I, she meant she's done, okay? She said, now she made the appointment the next few weeks. I, before I know it, she's driving me to the doctor. And I'm thinking, okay, she's really done. Not only she's done, she says you're done, okay? <laughs> so, number two, don't, don't confuse contentment with laziness. Paul said, I've learned to be content. But being content doesn't mean to be lazy. Sadly, again, a lot of people and a lot of pastors in my sphere of influence, they, they, they use contentment as, as a reason to say, well, you know, I know we don't have much in our little church and our little people, but, oh, we just love each other. And we're just content with what we have. And if God really wants us to have more, he'll send us more. What I love about this church, when we came 41 years ago, this church had 40 or 50 people, and they were some of the greatest people in the world. And anybody could come in here and love those people and pastor those people and do their weddings and, and, and bury them and all that. But that, that 40, 21 years ago, this church said, listen, we're, we're not content. Well, we got a brand-new building. That, at that point, it was at, uh, where a student center but said, we got a brand-new building. we got all these seats, and we're not content with us just coming. We, we want other people to come. You follow me? And in order to do that, we, we couldn't be lazy in doing that. There, there had to be things that had to happen, things that had to go, and ministries and things like that. And, and what happens is we have to be careful that so many times that we confuse contentment with laziness. Think about if people were content, who, who's going to build the churches where more people can come? Who, who, who's going to have the programs to fight the injustices of our culture today. Number three, don't confuse little thinking with spirituality. Don't confuse little thinking with spirituality. Little thinking, small mind, well, you know, we got great quantity of people. We're not into quality. <laughs> I hear that. We're not, I'm not into quality. Uh, qu uh, or, yeah, I'm not into quantity. I'm into quality. Quality, meaning, you know, what I have is, is just good enough. I want the quantity. Listen, God's in the quantity and quality, right? His, the house that Jesus is preparing for us, the room in John 14, one, I want a way to prepare a place for you. Listen, I'm not going to have to share my, my house with you, okay? I love you. I want to go to heaven with you, but I don't want to spend eternity in the same house. Now, that's just the way I am. I might invite you over a little bit for a hostess a little bit every now and then. But listen, Jesus said, many, in my Father's house are many rooms, okay? I'm preparing a place for you. I'm going to have my place. You're going to have your place. It's going to be a place that we're happy with. And listen, what, what you and I have to make sure that we don't allow that small thinking. So I want you to bow your heads with me. And I, want you to, I, want to, I want to end this father-dad conversation 
Just a couple more questions. I want you to think about this. Ask yourself, if this thing that you're pursuing, you're, th th this goal, this ambition, if this thing, money, a, a business, a status, a possession, if this thing got wiped away from you tomorrow, would you be devastated? If you lost it tomorrow, would you be devastated? Would you lose hope for that? I want you to ask God through the Holy Spirit today to show you your heart. I, I, I don't know your heart. I don't I know faces, I know names, I know conversations, and I, I know so many in this room that I, I truly believe we got godly ambitions. But only you and God know. God, ask God to show you your heart and be willing to confess wrong motives when you sense that they're there. But lastly, and, and here's where I want you to I want you to real just look at me. Look at me, because I, I want I, as a dad, I want to look at you. What would happen? What would be the change that could happen in our church? Not just Valpo, Wanita, North Johnson, Hebron, Westfield, NPH, online. What would happen if we decided to stop pursuing a lifestyle and we started making a legacy our number one goal? What if you stop letting lifestyle be the reason you get up in the morning and you go to work? What if lifestyle wasn't tied to your check, your retirement check, your paycheck? What, what if lifestyle wasn't your motive? When you leave the house and get in your car, your truck and ride, what if you decided, what if we decided as a church that we was no longer going to pursue lifestyle. We were in constant unity pursuit of legacy. What is our legacy going to look like? What are you going to hand off to your kids or the people around you, the influencers that you have in your life that are looking to you right now and they, they you, you become their model? Not to see your lifestyle. Oh, you have this and you have that. What, what, is your, what if we decided, listen, what if we decided to pursue legacy and make that our hot pursuit? That's our ambition. What is our legacy? Thank you for listening to Heartland Christian Center Sermon of the Week. If you would like to partner with us and give, please go to hcc.ag and click to give tab. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with others. Also, if you have a prayer request or want to contact Heartland, please email us at pastorphil at hcc3d.com. Have a blessed week.